This episode of Hookup Horror Stories is brought to you by Podmatch. Do you have a podcast that could use some fresh guests? Or perhaps you're an entrepreneur and are looking to get featured on cool podcasts. Never fear, Podmatch is here. Podmatch is an online podcast matching service that automatically matches ideal podcast hosts and guests for interviews. Imagine your favorite online dating app, but instead of using it for finding dates, you're booking podcast interviews. Simply make your account, fill out your bio, add your keywords on what you're looking for, and get matched with Podmatch's automatic matching technology. I've been using Podmatch for a few years now to book guests, and I absolutely love it. I find really cool people, coaches, experts, and gurus on all sorts of topics. And of course, today's guest I found on Podmatch. I also get booked on other people's shows all the time, and I have a blast meeting people from all over and creating long-lasting relationships with them. Sign up today using my affiliate link at joinpodmatch.com slash Wild. That's joinpodmatch.com slash Wild, And check this episode description for more. Welcome to Hookup Horror Stories. This podcast contains topics that may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 18. This includes things like domestic violence, sexual assault, and sexuality. They are intended to be educational in nature, but either way, a trigger warning is in place. Listener discretion is advised. He said something to me and all of a sudden it just sparked all of the like intuitiveness that happened. And I was just like, so let me guess. I said, you grew up with your mom and you have what? two sisters and he goes well how how do you know that and i was like what did you grow up with your dad and he was like well no and i was like <sighs> okay so you grew up with your mom i said she raised you and i said you have at least two two sisters and he was like well yeah and i was like okay i said well that definitely explains like your demeanor your feminine mm-hmm. off like energy that i am getting because that's how you grew up and he goes oh Okay. And then like, we just continued to go into this conversation. And at one point within this conversation, I take a pause and he goes, you're the devil. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, but the slide in that pussy is a homicide. Welcome to Hookup Horror Stories, the podcast where we spill the tea on sex and dating. I'm Demi Wild, your resident sexual deviant. Today, I've got a very extra special guest deviant for you today. I've got Ricky Master and Trauma Release Guide, Tay Youngblood. Yay! Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Demi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. You have a very interesting little course of work that you do here. Something I'm very interested in. I love Reiki. And I love trauma. That's what I talk about a lot on this show. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about that? Where are you from? How did you get involved in this? And what do you do? Of course. So as as he said, my name is Tay. I literally, I'm from, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And now I am located in Cleveland. But when I got started in trauma, it actually is like, I had this like really roundabout way of getting here actually. So grew up in Columbus after my parents got divorced 
And while I was living in Columbus from the age of five to about seven, I was molested. And as I went through the process of like understanding what was happening to me and things like that, I went to counseling and, you know, went through that process as a child. And when I was about 14, I realized that I wasn't over it. Like I had this really shaking experience of being in a classroom full of boys and a male teacher. And I was so uncomfortable. The door was closed and I just, I freaked out and I asked my professor if he could open the door. And he basically questioned me about it, which I thought was very strange. And finally, I was just like, I just, I don't understand why you can't open the damn door. And I just like stormed out. And when he came to me and asked me what happened and what was going on, I told him and he was just like, why didn't you tell me? And my first thought as a 14 year old girl is like, there are other 14 year old boys in here. And I'm just going to yell out in class, open the door. Cause I think they're all going to like, you know, do something bad to me. Like, no, right. that, come on. Like that doesn't make any sense. So that was the first time that I realized that teachers weren't really equipped at that time to handle things like that or to notice things like that. So going through high school, I knew that I wanted to write a book about my experience, but I knew that I wanted my book to help people. I didn't just want to have my book be one big trigger warning, right? This podcast is one big trigger warning. (laughs) But I didn't know exactly how I was going to do that. So I kind of just like put that on the shelf. I went to college. I have a bachelor's in psychology. I have an associate's in paralegal studies. Like I am a type A personality. It is like pay attention to detail, like all the things, love what I do. But when I was in college, I kept coming back to working with people who've been through trauma. Mm -hmm. And literally for the last, I will say, I've been graduated now from college for 15 years. So over the last 15 years, the first six years, there had been times where I was like, I want to go back to school to you know, for us more in psychology so that I can help people so I can do research so that I can, you know, have better methods for trauma release, like, because I felt like I didn't get that as a kid, I literally had to develop my own coping mechanisms and figure out life on my own and how I was going to do that. So of course, I realized that throughout the years, not dealing with my trauma actually caused me to self-sabotage in a lot of my relationships. (laughs) It's like story of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't only romantic relationships. It was platonic relationships too. It was just, I, there were certain things that I could handle. There were certain things that I couldn't handle. But the one thing that I continued to do throughout the years was talk about my story. And I remember getting into college and telling my friends and one of them looked at me and was like, I can't believe that happened to you. Like, you know, I I just wouldn't have imagined because you're so vibrant and so, you know, outgoing and all this. You just don't look like you're somebody who's been through this. And I kind of looked at them and I was just like, what do we look like? Right. Because you just don't know. Like we all look different. We've all been through a similar experience, but we all look like normal people. Like we, you know, people walking down the street. And it's just, it was so interesting to me to realize that a lot of people don't know what trauma looks like on a person because it's not like we wear it like a shield. You know, we don't, that's not something that we do, but that's always been a part of my story. So fast forward 
I'm like an adult. I'm graduated from college. I'm like going to work and doing all the things. And one of the things that I fell into was being a sexual health consultant. And I absolutely loved it. It was the first time that I could share my story openly with women like me who had been through that same experience, but wanted to open their sexual world and their sexual desires, but didn't know how because of this thing that happened to them. And it was the first time that I felt like, yes, I have a platform that I can do this with. And I did that for a while and it was very, very helpful, but I still felt like there was more that I wanted to do. So in 2016, I created Desirable Phoenix and I basically wanted people to know that you can definitely be reborn through the experiences that you have been through without washing that away, but still being and doing what it is that you want in your life that makes you happy. I just decided like, yes, this is what we're going to do. And then from there, I was like, yes, we're going to do coaching. Did I know how to do that shit? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> like anything. So of course I got my own coaches and, you know, went through things and all of that. And I want to say, because it's 2023 now, gosh, in 2018, I was, me and my ex-husband were going through a lot of tumultuous stuff. Like it was, we had like, we were together, but we weren't together. Like we, our paths just really weren't aligning. And we really just had different thought processes of what our relationship should look like. And we all have our own relationship issues. You know, I was, I was very much an open person. I love to talk to everybody and be friends with all the people. He was kind of insecure. So that kind of washed into where I could have my friendships and how those would develop. And in 2018, I came home one day and I was just like, I was having just a terrible day. And I came home and I was like, hey, just give me like 45 minutes. Like I want to sit and I want to sit at my computer and write like a letter. So I did. I sat down for 45 minutes and I typed on my computer because my brain was reeling with so much stuff and I could type faster than I could write it. So I sat at my computer and for 45 minutes, I typed and at first, it was just surface level stuff. It was just like, today was really shitty, like, you know, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, all of these deep, dark feelings of my trauma and where I'm at in my life and what that did to me and the shame, the guilt, the hurt all came up. It was stuff that I had like not even thought about before. And I, I was just like, oh, crap. So then afterwards... I felt better, but then I knew that there was something that I needed to do. Like my marriage was falling apart. My business wasn't going where I wanted it to go. And I just needed, I needed something, mm -hmm. right? So what I ended up doing right after that was joining a coaching program. And I had found a book because I was like, I was tired. I was sick and tired. And I was like, I need to I need to fix my marriage. Like most people who've been through trauma, that's the one thing that we do. We're like people pleasers and we're like fixers. Like <laughs> you get all those things. Um, and I wanted to fix. Like I was like, yes, we have to fix this. So I was like looking for this magical book. Like this book had to be like all the things like help me, help my husband, help us get things back together. Like I was looking for this book and I went to the bookstore we had both went to the bookstore actually. And I'm looking around in the, like the marriage guidance section, you know, and I'm looking and self-help and all this other stuff. Right. And I couldn't find it. I, I was like literally looking at all the things and I was like, no, I need something. And then I 
stepped back and I kind of just like sat there for a second. I was like, I need a book that's going to help. It needs to be fixed. And a little voice inside me said, check the spirituality section. So I was like, okay. So I asked the, the bookstore attendant, I said, hey, where's the spirituality section? And he pointed to a sign right above my head. If so, you wanted a sign from the universe, that is exactly <laughs> that is the um, sign. <laughs> so I went into this aisle and it's like a little tiny aisle, like in the half half price bookstore. It was like this little tiny like section. So I walk in there and I'm looking at all this stuff. And you know, you go in there, spirituality, it has a lot of things. It has tarot, it has energy healing, it has runes, like all kinds of things like that you could think of. And I have no idea what I am looking for. And I look. And I look and right before I'm getting ready to walk out of this aisle, because I'm like, there's nothing here. This rainbow book edge catches my eye. And I'm like, Ooh, what's that? And I pull it out and it's called journaling the chakras. And it is basically a, an eight week course in this book where you basically meditate on your chakras every day. And what you're doing is you're balancing and realigning your chakras and your energetic self with your spiritual self. And at first I'm like reading the back and I'm like, all right, this seems like it would be good. So I go and I pay for it. And then I read the first page. And as soon as I read the first page, I was like, this is not about us. <laughs> this <laughs> is about me. And I was like, holy crap. So for the next 10 weeks, because even though it was an eight week course, I took some time and did some, I did a couple of weeks on my sacral chakra and a couple of weeks on my third eye. Mm -hmm. And after that, everything shifted for me. Me and my ex-husband ended up within that year, uh, within that next year. So that was the end of 2018. Within mid-2019, I had already decided that it was over between us. I had also decided that I no longer wanted monogamy in relationships. So I became polyamorous. And in real life, I probably was polyamorous before that, but I just didn't know like that existed. So I don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. So I was like, ah, but luckily I had met people along the way who were. So I was able to like get some resources and things like that and learn a little bit more about that. And I really just decided like, okay, we're going to go firsthand in what I'm doing. And we're going to definitely use this as a tool for trauma release. And that is when I decided to call myself a trauma release guide. And it was very interesting, honestly, like learning about myself in that way, because it allowed me to go deeper within myself than I thought, because a lot of the stuff that I had been doing was very surface. It was, you know, it was yoga and therapy and things of that nature. It wasn't really ever self-reflection and understanding myself as I am now with the trauma that I experienced, because a lot of times we're trying to get rid of it. And what we need to understand is that it's now a part of us. So how do we navigate our forward world with that idea that this has happened to us? It's just, it's, it is an experience, but how do we now use that and recreate ourselves so that we're more comfortable within ourselves, within our bodies? And it just became this whole thing. So after I did that, I I want to say like a year later, I got an email from a woman who does Reiki and she was talking about, she had been, I had been getting her emails for years actually. And she had <laughs> been talking about doing these classes and I was like, that would be great, but it was never the right time. Right. And it just so happened when I got this email, it was the right time for me. It was, I really want to do this 
class. How do I do it? Um, I didn't really have the money at the time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this class. Like, this is something that I definitely want to do and I need. So what I did was I had, I still had some products from when I was a self-health consultant or sexual health consultant. And a friend of mine was still doing parties and she didn't have products and I needed money. And I was like, Hey, she was like, Hey, do you have products? And I was like, I absolutely do. And she was like, well, I can give you, you know, 50% of whatever I make off of these and you can put it towards, you know, your, the Reiki class. And she was taking it with me too. So it was very, you know, mutually agreed upon. Right. Like, yeah. To be like, yes, we can do this. And that day she brought home the money for me to be able to do the class. And we both got our Reiki certification in 2021. You know, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit because I, you probably aren't aware of this, but I've had other podcasts before this. And, and okay. one of the ones was about spirituality. Okay. And it was called The Cosmic Journey with Demi and Jay. But we always talk about how the universe gives us exactly what we need the moment we need it. Yep. <laughs> and it gives us the perfect message the moment that we need it. It gives Absolutely. it's and then when it comes out to you, it's just like holy shit. Like what? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think about all the like the path that I've been on like job wise and then like also with my you know trauma release guide journey and my coaching journey. And I realized that everything came when it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. because I think what we don't realize, especially when it comes to like people who don't know much about spirituality is that sometimes we really just aren't ready for the things that we want. Like every single thing that we are asking for is somehow being worked out in the background. And sometimes we're like, Hey, I want this. So I wanted to be, I wanted to go ahead and get my Reiki certification. I wanted to do that three years before I got it. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it just was not, it, I wasn't ready for that yet. I, my life was not on a path yet that was aligning with me becoming a Reiki master, with me doing energy healing and helping other people around me with that level of energy work. I wasn't ready for that. Right. But when it came to, it just so happened that everything worked out. And I was like, huh. And, and surprisingly, after I got this initial monies, all the other monies for the other classes came with no problem. <laughs> it was just like, it's so weird how that happens. Right. <laughs> so then after that, and actually I'm getting a little head on a little head on myself because I think before that I had actually finished writing my book because COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so COVID hit and I was like, you know what? There's, there were a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I was just like, I really want to get my coaching business back up and running. Cause I did shut it down when me and my ex-husband were going through our stuff. And I was like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm con- going to continue doing what I'm doing, working full time, doing the side business as a sexual health consultant. And then I'm also going to finish writing my book. And I was like, after I finish writing my book, that's going to be my focus. My focus is going to be helping people release trauma. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I write my book, I get an editor, of course, COVID hits and it like kind of trickles, it has like a trickling effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And the editor who was editing my book couldn't at the time because she was going through a lot of stuff. And I was like, no, that's perfect. That's fine. And I kind of put it on the back burner. And of course my friends were like, yeah, no, like your first book isn't going to be perfect. That's fine. (laughs) They were like, but somebody out there needs it right now. And I was like, okay. So I went and I edited it myself. (laughs) 
and I self-published and I was just like, that was another, that was like a, a one goal. And I was like, awesome. So now let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got my Reiki certi- certification and then I decided, all right, how am I going to do this? So I decided to create a coaching program. And within that, you have to learn, you know, all the things that you want to do in your programs and all of this stuff. And now, you know, now we're what five months, this is the fifth month of 2023. And I'm already at this point at a level where I'm like, okay, this is my time to put all of it out there on the floor and do what I need. So at the beginning of this year, I literally just, I changed everything that I was doing with my life. I decided that we're going to go ahead and elevate. I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to do it. So at the beginning of the year, I decided to stop drinking. So no alcohol for 90 days. I seen it somewhere and it was like, stop drinking for 90 days and see if you need it. And I was like, sure, why not? That should be a piece of cake. It was not a piece of cake. No, (laughs) I've done that myself. It's, I mean, I, I have, but since I did it, since I accomplished that, I had completely different relationship with alcohol afterwards. Exactly. And that was one of the things that I realized during my journey was my relationship with alcohol. And I think like, I was like three days in and had already wanted to start drinking. Like that's, that's where I was at the beginning of this year. And then stuff would happen over the last couple of months where I was just like, I need a drink. And my friends were like, no, Tay, it's fine. So of course I like, I have wine glasses and like bourbon glasses. And I just like pick up a wine glass, pour some ginger ale in it. And like, (laughs) it was one of those things where it was just like, but then I noticed that it was like, it was a, it one, it was a coping mechanism, but it was also the re like the action of pouring something into a wine glass and drinking it. That really was something that changed my mindset as I was doing it. So even though I was angry, like I'm going to go ahead and make me a mocktail, drink the sparkling water out of my glass. And it really helped to like shift my thought process with alcohol. So when I realized that it was a coping mechanism, I was like, okay, we really need to stop that. Right. But then another thing that I did at the beginning of the year was I started waking up at six o'clock in the morning. Ooh. Um, (laughs) Well, because one of the things I wanted to do was actually be more involved in my business and working full time. My, I work, I start work at eight 30. What I was doing was I was getting up at eight o'clock. I was rushing out of my house because it takes me 15 minutes to get to my job. So I'm like rushing out of my house and then I'd go into work and then I'd be irritated and I'd get mad and then I'd just be angry. And then I'd come home and I'd drink and it was, it was a vicious cycle. So I was like, well, let's go ahead and change that. Let's wake up at six o'clock in the morning. Let's go ahead and work on my TikToks. Let's go ahead and work on my administrative stuff that I need for my business. Let's go ahead and do all that stuff before I go into work. That way, when I come home, I can decide whether or not I want to continue or I've worked enough for today. So I don't have to work on that anymore. Exactly. And that helped to elevate my mood. But then also, I'm one of those people who like, I'm like, it's really weird. I'm a night owl and I'm a morning person. Ask me how that works. (laughs) I'm the same way, actually. Like, I'll be up all night, but then I'll still wake up at like the crack of dawn for some reason. And still be, and you know, and just be as vibrant and bright eyed and bushy bushy tailed as possible. And it's just, it was one of those things for me where I was like, I work better after I've napped or after I've taken, after I've slept. So why not use all of that wonderful energy for my business? 
let's go ahead and do that. So that's basically, that's basically what I've been doing since the beginning of this year. And although my 90 days are up, April was alcohol awareness month. So I went ahead and didn't drink that month either. But then I also started my chakra healing journey again, because now I wasn't drinking. I don't have my ex-husband here anymore. And I started these new patterns in my life. And I wanted to see how aligning my chakras this time around would actually affect uh, what's going on in my life. And I will, I will just tell you that it has shifted immensely. <laughs> like, I honestly can't tell myself, like, I can't tell who I am from the beginning of the year to now because I've changed so much. And the chakra journey just started seven weeks ago. Like it wasn't like, this wasn't the beginning of the year. I just, at the end of March, I was like, all right, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do this again. We, we have goals and things that we want to achieve. So let's, let's get back on our path. Let's go ahead and realign. And it's just been, it's been a very interesting journey for sure. That's amazing to hear. I wanted to ask you something because you said something at the very beginning that resonated with me. And I'm probably not something I've actually said on this podcast or out loud in a while, probably a very long time Mm -hmm. uh, or at all on this podcast. So I was also molested when I was a a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went through it because he was just a little bit older than me. I wasn't sure how, like what that was even at that time, Mm -hmm. like I, I knew I was gay. So like, did I enjoy it? Did I not? But mm-hmm. then at the same time, that question is kind of fueled that, that trauma cycle later on, especially when my parents found out and like all the stuff that happened afterwards. And then I just never really thought about it again for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that experience informed some of the stuff like later on in my relationships that, that happened, that, that initial trauma that I experienced that kind of like fueled every other relationship that I had later on. Mm-hmm. How does, well, number one, like what are some like, con- obviously molestation, it can be its own form of trauma. It can be varying degrees as well, mm-hmm. but uh, what other forms of like trauma do people might not be aware of? I mean, honestly, it's so funny because it can be so broad. Mm-hmm. Like we think about trauma as the event where it really is the fact that an event has happened to us and we haven't been able to process the emotions behind that event, which mm. continues the like the traumatic thinking, if you will. So it can be anything. It could be anything from neglect. It can be substance abuse. Mm-hmm. It could be physical abuse. It can be emotional abuse. Even mental abuse can be a form of trauma. Sure. I did a, I did a online summit last summer And one of the things that we talked about was, you know, they talked about like narcissism and things like that. I just had somebody recently on my podcast talk about how she was in a cult and how that experience can be traumatic. And sometimes when you think about it, you're like, "Eh, well, you know, this experience really isn't, you know, trauma. You know, I spoke to somebody who was like, well, I, I had the same experience being molested, but it didn't affect me in the same way. And I'm like, yeah, because in some, and depending on, you know, where you grow up, how you grew up, your parents in the situation, did you tell someone, did you not tell someone what your coping skills were at that point will, you know, let you know, and will help you to process that emotion, those emotions around that traumatic event differently. 
then somebody who has never been through that situation or doesn't have the help that they need or doesn't know anything about coping skills. Or they just go under the rug and just not think about yeah, it. Yeah, like you have you have different things that can go into that. I mean, I mean, and you say that and I think about cultural differences. Like there are some people right. who just don't talk about those things. Will not talk about it, yeah. Absolutely not. They don't even bring it up. And I think that's another reason why I just, I've always been that person to talk about it because it's always been that, well, we don't, we just don't talk about this or, you know, I was, I remember hearing somebody say, we just don't let uncle Tom come to, you know, dinners. Yeah. And I was just like, that's just, that's, that's not doing what needs to be done with the situation. I mean, I understand the intent, but, you know, not talking about it, not trying to resolve the situation, not allowing people to express that and give them the coping skills to do so. I mean, anything at this point, I mean, hell, COVID is a, you know, the whole pandemic. We all experience trauma. traumatic experience. And for some more than others, you know, but anything, pretty much anything that goes unprocessed within the mind and in the body can be, you know, listed as a trauma. Makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. And we're back. I'm here with Tay Youngblood, and we're talking about spirituality, and we're talking about Reiki. How does Reiki, well, number one, what is Reiki for those that might not know? I studied massage therapy school, and we actually had a little uh, person come in to teach us what Reiki is. But for my listeners might not know what, what Reiki is. How, what is it, and how can that help facilitate sexual trauma release? Oh, I love this question for all the reasons. <laughs> so... First and foremost, Reiki is a form of energy healing. I remember explaining it to my mom because she was one of the people who I told her, I was like, Hey, I'm a Reiki master. Like as I go through the, as I was going through the training, I had to like, you know, perform Reiki on people so that I could like learn what it feels like. Reiki is a trip if you experience it. Oh yes. It's, it's really cool. And it's so funny because it's cool, not only for the receiver, but also for the giver of the Reiki. Mm -hmm. Like it is one of those things where it is a very interesting experience. And one of the things I had to tell my mom, because she thought that I was the one creating the energy and I was the one doing all of the, you know, the things. And I said, no, mom, I said, look, Reiki is really about universal energy. It's about the energy that's all around us. And basically what I do as a Reiki master and as a practitioner is I call to that energy. And what I do is I basically set an intention and send that Reiki or send that energy to the person and whatever needs to be healed. The person is definitely able to say, yes, I would like that energy to go to, you know, my eyes or my brain. However, Reiki energy also just goes to wherever you need healing in that moment. Mm. And what I love about it is the fact that I'm not the one creating it. Cause that sounds like a lot of pressure. Like I would think that somebody, a lot of people I think don't realize how much I've like cleared for myself to be able to, to feel like I can do Reiki on other people and actually help with things like trauma release and things of that nature. And one of the ways that I use Reiki and I explain Reiki is if you've ever heard of like, what is it? Like acupuncture. If you think about acupuncture and the way that it works, you know, they put 
you know, usually little needles on pressure points to release tension and different energies that are trapped in the body causing different ailments. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with Reiki. The only difference is it's energy. And one of the things that I've learned within the last few years, and one of the things that a lot of people are now realizing is that the energetics of trauma can actually sit within a part of the body. And what that does, if it is blocked, what it will do is it will start to wreak havoc on that specific area. So an example, a couple of years ago, I had a hysterectomy. And the reason I had a hysterectomy was because I had fibroid tumors growing in my uterus. Mm. And a lot of people could say, well, it's genetic and things of that nature. Yes, there are definitely scientific ways of proving where fibroids come from and how they form and things of that nature. Bodies are very interesting things, right? However, when it comes to energy healing, one of the things that we can also say is that there was something blocked. The energy in my sacral chakra was blocked, which caused my womb space to kind of react in the way that it did, which was most likely trying to protect itself. Yeah. And that was one of the ways that it could do it. Now, is this to say that I could have, you know, in 2011, when I found this out, done Reiki and it would have helped? Absolutely. But we don't know that, know the answers. What I know is now going forward and when that happened, I just knew that, you know, I was having this issue. I didn't understand why. But what we also have to realize is that there's there's always two sides to things, right? Oh, yeah. Every, there always is gray area. Absolutely. But within this, within the body, there's a, there's your physical and then there is your energetic. And a lot of times when you start to release that energy from the energetics, it actually helps to move other things along. And again, it's just like processing the energy. And it really just, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I call myself a trauma release, because it's not really like I'm taking it away from you. That's not, that's not what's happening. What we're actually doing is making sure that that stagnant energy that's trapped, let's say in your womb space is moving properly and flowing properly so that you're now able to process the emotions behind that specific trauma and that energy that was being held there. But this could also be for people who've been in a car accident. That's traumatic, right? They could hurt their shoulder and have problems with their arm for years to come. But what they go to a Reiki practitioner and say, Hey, I've really been, you know, feeling stiffness in my arm. It only happens around this time. Maybe it happens around the time that the car accident happens. And they're like, I really want to, you know, try to see what's going on and process this and, you know, get some energy healing. And because they're open to it, what will happen is sometimes those people will experience relief, but what they'll also start to do is process the emotions behind that car accident. And what it'll do is it will help release the tension and release that energy of that accident within their arm. So it really, when you look at it, you have to look at it as it's not something, I'm not taking it away. It's still there. We're just learning how to cope with it better or cope with it differently. And that's how I use, that's how I use Reiki in that sense. What I find most fascinating about this and someone reminded me of this just recently that if you're having money problems, that's generally a root chakra problem also. So Mm -hmm. if you're having money problems, you might also be having sexual problems or vice versa. Mm -hmm. If you're having sexual problems, you're probably having money problems. Mm -hmm. 
what is that session like to clear that chakra for someone that might be in need? So it's really interesting that you ask this. And I'm going to go from a personal example because five years ago when I did this, I was like very new to like chakra and energy work and things of that nature. I had no idea like what was going on. And in a sense, when you're doing the chakra alignment, you can say, well, you're kind of doing energy healing on yourself, right? You're doing like, you're really just balancing, you're meditating, you're putting that energy towards what you want to heal. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I first started my chakra healing journey and I went from the root into my sacral, I went into my sacral chakra and I started doing the healing. And within two days, I had lost all desire to have sex, all desire of attraction, everything. (laughs) It was gone. And I was like so confused because I was like, I was a very active, like it sexually. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I have no idea what's happening. And I talked to another spiritual friend of mine and I said, hey, I was like, I have questions for you because this is my first time going through this. And I was like, is it normal for when you're working on your chakras and doing energy healing with yourself that things just shut down? And she was like, absolutely. She said, when there is trauma that's connected to certain chakras, sometimes those things shut down completely. It's kind of like a hard reset. Like think about when your computer is acting up and you're just like, oh, power button, right? (laughs) (laughs) Did you turn it off and turn it back on again? Like that's basically what you're doing when it comes to Reiki energy or when you're balancing your chakras, you're basically starting over, you're jumpstarting it to make a change, right? So for two weeks, I literally had no sexual desire. I was sexting with a friend of mine and it did nothing. Like I couldn't even, I didn't even want to like have sex with my husband. Like it was, and I had to tell him, like, I was like, it's not you. It literally is me. Like I literally do not have any desire to do any, like anything at all. And one weekend me and a friend were planning on going to a play that she had got tickets to. And I wasn't going to do my sacral chakra meditation, but something was like, no, no, you need to do this before you leave. So I was like, all right, it was towards the end. I think I had like three days left and I was like, all right, we're going to go ahead and do this. So I start doing the sacral chakra meditation. And as soon as I started doing it within like three minutes or so, I started to cry. And it wasn't just like tears streaming down my face. Like, no, this was like a boohoo lost dog in the middle of the forest. I can't believe that somebody stole my chicken nuggets. Like it was bawling. Okay. (laughs) And I kind of just like let it happen because I didn't know what was happening, but I just let it happen. And now, yes. And now that I look back at it, I realized that I was, I was able to like mourn the innocence and the events that had happened to me. And because of that, it was like within a day, my desires came back and my feelings came back. My emotions started to come back. And it was just like, wow, like I didn't know that that needed to be released. Like I didn't know that I still felt that way. And it was really like, it was really enlightening when it came to like learning about energy. And I think when I went into going into practical Reiki and learning how to do Reiki, I realized how powerful that situation was. 
and what type of relief somebody can get from actually energetically healing all of your chakras. You know, like you said, if you're having money issues, it's a root chakra energy imbalance, most likely, or a blockage. And that is because your root chakra is the central of your security. It is your grounding. It is your foundation. And in order for you to start being able to build on a foundation, it has to be solid. And if there's anything that's blocking it, anything that's keeping it from doing the things that it's supposed to do, you're going to get resistance. Yeah. But when you feel that shift, like you'll know the shift when you feel it, because it's not the same for everybody, because I personally am just an emotional person. Right. But there are some people who like, they just feel like a little pop and not like a, <laughs> that sounded weird. <laughs> like they just like, crack their back or something. <laughs> but like, it's, it's almost like a little poop. And then over the course of the next couple of days and months, they, they really start to like feel how different they feel in that space. And it's very interesting. Like the way that energy healing actually works is so interesting. Like I really do. I know that there's like some people who are doing like the science behind it, but I wish there was so much more science behind it Mm -hmm. because we all think of, you know, when we think about trauma healing, we're thinking I have to go to therapy and I have to do this and I have to do that. Like I'm seeing an MET therapist. Would have never thought that I'd be doing that. What's an MET therapist? It's neural emotional technique. It's like muscle testing. Okay. And it's a, And literally, it is like the same thing as Reiki healing. The only difference is it is dealing with it on a physical level. That's it. What's so interesting about what you do is that it blends both the spiritual and the practical. And that resonates with me because like, I I, I kind of temper my spirituality with a little bit of skepticism, you know? Okay. (laughs) Just a little bit because, you know, you you get some wackadoodles in the spiritual community. Of course. But, you know, I, I think it's really healthy to kind of like approach it from both angles to kind of like jump in it from like, yeah, we need to be spiritual. We need to be connected, but we also need to like be practical in our approach. Absolutely. I, I think what you do is like fantastic. This is really speaks to me. Thank you. Yes. No, I, I really feel like when it came down to understanding what my coaching style is like i'm a very much like no nonsense like not give a f type of person Mm -hmm. i'm also very direct so i'm not gonna let you just say well i can't no you can you don't want to there's a difference and i feel like that speaks to some people so when it comes down to like understanding how i work with trauma and how other people work with trauma it is very different i want to make sure that people understand that This is a mind, body, spiritual connection, because if your mind is not saying, yes, we need to heal, then your body's not going to do that. It's not going to follow. However, if you can connect, reconnect with yourself in that way, spiritually, then it'll just put you on the course to finding the things that you need to get your mindset together, to get your physical body together. Like, Within all of this, like when I tell you, like I went to, I did yoga, loved yoga for trauma. It was great. Had a whole bunch of releases, all that stuff. Years later, I ended up becoming a pole fitness instructor. How does that help? Well, (laughs) it it helps you to connect with your body, to understand where your body sits in this wonderful world of ours. I had somebody once say that she used like she would she knew that she had a body but she couldn't feel where her foot was 
And that's a very real thing when it comes to trauma. Sometimes we disconnect so much from our physical body mm-hmm. that sometimes we just don't know where things are. And pole fitness allowed me to not only step into my what my sexuality is and what that looks like for me, but it also helped me to realize where my body was in relation to everything else in the world. How do I bring that? How does that present to others? How does how do I present it to myself? You know, and it also helps you become more comfortable with your body after going through something like, you know, I have been where, you know, my physical body was violated. And now I didn't feel comfortable doing certain things or being with certain people and, you know, understanding that about myself. But going in the pole fitness, I realized like, like, oh, like my body can do a lot of things. But it also helped me to reconnect in a way that I didn't think could actually happen by dancing. Right. So there's a there's a lot of different modalities of healing that people can do. And Reiki healing is one of them. Somatic healing is another you know, NET therapy is another. It's just putting those tools in your toolbox to really understand the root of what is going on and where you sit and your understanding with what happened to you. Exactly. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we got story time. And we're back. Okay, so Tay, I know you got a story for us and you said something about a nightmare date. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny because I, honestly, I think that this is going to be very interesting only because it's like, this happened three years ago. And I just recently, I think it was actually yesterday or the day before on my Facebook memories that it came up, not the nightmare date part, because that, that hadn't even happened yet. But- Since I've lived in my house, when me and my ex-husband first bought the house, he was doing all the yard work. I had never done any of the yard work other than like helping him out. That was it. But he did all the mowing and all that stuff. I, you know, go around, rake up the leaves and, you know, the grass and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, three years ago, I was like, yo, like I need to like get this grass together because I don't have, like, I can't pay somebody to do it. So I was like, I'll go ahead and, uh, you know, do it myself. So I, my dad had got me a lawnmower like the the Christmas before or for my birthday. I think it was for my birthday. And I was like, oh, it's my first time I get to use it. Like really excited about this. I probably the like, kind you sit on. Th- no, it was like a oh, hand. just like the push one. Okay. <laughs> it's like a little push mower. Like, and not even <laughs> like the one where you like push the button and it goes on its own. Like, no, like I physically have to push this thing <laughs> in order for me to use it, which is fine. But it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, yes, like I'm about to do something new, like life skill achieved. Right. Right. Absolutely ridiculous. I know some of your listeners are going to be like, really? She mowed her <laughs> lawn. Like, yes. For the first time ever. Three Mowing years. your lawn can be very zen. Oh, and I and after I did it, I was like, I actually like doing this. Yeah. So, you know, I when I can and have the time, I do try to do it. It gets crazy like it is now. But so this this day, I was like, yes, I'm going to go ahead and mow my lawn. And I mowed my lawn. And afterwards, like, I was on Facebook Live, like, yeah, how does it look? Like, it looks great. Da, 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 right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to celebrate. 
I'm going to go celebrate the fact that I mowed my lawn for the first time. <laughs> and I'm going to go get me a mimosa, right? I'm going to have brunch. And at that time, I was talking to somebody in the poly space. And he had invited me over to his house to meet his wife and some of his friends and to get in the jacuzzi and stuff like that. And one of his friends was there and he was interested in me and wanted to like talk and hang out and wanted to go out sometime. And I was like, oh, this was like a week after this had happened. And on the stand, I was like, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling feisty, like whatever, whatever. So I send him a message on IG and I'm like, hey, I'm getting ready to go to brunch. Like I'm celebrating, I want a drink. Would you like to join me? And he was like, well, I, you know, I did just like, I did get in late and, you know, he had, he was drinking the night before, but he was like, yeah, no, like, give me some time. I'll be there. I was like, sweet. So I go, I drive to the place and it's a really nice place actually for like brunch. And I get there and it's a nice day outside. And they ask me where I want to sit. And I'm like, oh, you have patio seats? Bring it on. Like, give me some yeah. <laughs> I was just out in this. Like, let's do this. So like, I go sit down. He's not there yet. And this is one of those places where it shuts down from like, I don't know, one to four to get oh, ready yeah. for dinner service. Okay. And it was close. It was like. When I got there, it was more than enough time for me to like order food and like get drinks and stuff like that. But I was like, I'll go ahead and wait for this guy, whatever, whatever. So he goes and he eventually lets me know that he's on his way. He only lives like 10 minutes away from the place. And he's like, you know, can you order me a drink? And like, I looked at the menu. Can you order me this? And I was like, sure, that'll be cool. So my waiter comes over. I had already started drinking. So I was like, we're going to go ahead and get another one. And we're going to go ahead and order this food. <laughs> so he gets there, his drinks out. He comes to the table. We talk a little bit and things are going good. Food comes out and we're still talking, having a good time. Then he looks at me and he goes, oh, he's like, so you're drinking, drinking. And I'm like, yes, like, <laughs> I am <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> like, I just, I just mowed my lawn for the first time. Like, again, I'm telling you, your listeners going to be like, yo, why does she keep saying that? It was an, <laughs> it was an accomplishment. <laughs> like, you got to celebrate the little wins as much as the big wins. <laughs> right? He was like, oh, okay, cool. So we're sitting there, we're talking, and he just starts buying round after round after round. So we start drinking. Now, on a pretty normal basis, I am a loud human. All right. Uh, <laughs> in general. Okay. You put some liquor in me and I get a little louder. Maybe I a scream. lot louder. I start. Yeah. You can always tell when I get drunk because I start yelling at people. <laughs> so I was like, you know, so we're talking and we're just having a normal conversation. And he starts asking me all these questions because now he understands that I'm Polly because his friend is Polly. So he wants to know some things. And he's like, okay, so, you know, what kind of partners do you have? Like how many partners do you have and things like this? And at the time I only had two, I think at the time, no, I had three at the time. And he was like, oh, you know, like he wanted to know like, you know, who they were, like genders, all that jazz. And I was like, oh, I have one male partner. I have two female partners. And he was like, oh, female partners i said yeah but they're lesbians like they're <laughs> not they're not interested in you sir <laughs> I'm like, oh okay so then we like talk a little bit more and he's like well do you think that you're gonna grow your hair back because i've been cutting my hair now for damn near four years at this point and he was like well and this was three years ago so i had been cutting my hair for a year and uh, he was like well are you gonna grow your hair back and i was like mm, no 
And he was just like, why? And I was like, because I don't like to do it. Like, I'm lazy. Like, <laughs> I have to roll out of bed and be good to go. <laughs> right. Like, brush, 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 gone. Like, no, not going to do that. And he was like, oh, well, you wouldn't do that for me. Well, mind you, I met this dude a week ago. Right? So I was like, ah, no, not really. And I was like, no, I said, I really, I really like my hair short. Like, it, I feel like it looks great on me. So I'm not going to grow it back for anybody. Like, if I grow it back, it'll be for me. And he was like, oh, okay. So then we have some more conversations and we talk about the partners and he goes, so would you get rid of your male partner for me? And I'm like, why? What did he do? Like, <laughs> did he do something? Like what happened? And he's like, well, no, like, I'm just wondering, like, you know, cause I only want my woman to sleep with me. And I was like, I mean, that's fine and everything, but I'm not going to do that either. Like, unless he does something to me, like, that's the only way that I'll like not be with him. Right. Right. So he was like, oh, well, you know, this and that and blah, 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 yada, yada. So I'm just like, okay, like whatever. So at this point I'm thinking like, we're just having normal conversation and then things take a weird turn because now it's, well, what do you think about me? And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So be, being in this wonderful world realm of like spirituality and like knowing about myself and, uh, you know, being an empath and like being able to like just know things without mm-hmm. actually having any basis for knowing them. I was and like, yeah, you, your system. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, you don't want to know that. And he was just like, no, like, seriously, like I do. And I was like, no, no, you really don't. <laughs> He's like, well, no, like I asked, he was like, no. So like, seriously, he was like, what are, what are your thoughts about me? Like, okay. <laughs> you <laughs> asked for it. <laughs> sure. So I started talking to him and I was just like, look, I was like, so I was like, when I first met you, I thought maybe you were, you know, bisexual. And he goes, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, he's like, well, no, I'm not. And I was like, I mean, that's fine. I said, but that was, that was my initial thought process. That wasn't my intuitive feel. And it was just like, yeah, that was my initial thought process. And he was like, oh, like this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I was like, he was like, well, why did you say that? And I was like, well, like, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're a little feminine. Like, and at this point, it sounds like I'm being judgy. Mm-hmm. And all, honestly, I'm not right. I'm just like, describing to you what I see and what I saw. So then he goes, he said something to me. And all of a sudden it just sparked all of the like intuitiveness that happened. And I was just like, so let me guess. I said, you grew up with your mom and you have what two sisters. And he goes, well, how, how do you know that? And I was like, what did you grow up with your dad? And he was like, well, no. And I was like, okay, so you grew up with your mom. I said, she raised you. And I said, you have at least two, two sisters. And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay. I said, well, that definitely explains like your demeanor, your feminine mm-hmm. off like energy that I am getting because that's how you grew up. And he goes, oh, okay. And then like, we just continued to go into this conversation. And at one point within this conversation, I take a pause and he goes, you're the devil. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, first off, I was like, cause I told him before this, I said, look, I said, I have this weird, like skill of knowing things without knowing them. And you asked me for my opinion. I give it to you with some facts that I didn't know. And now I'm the devil. Like, oh, okay. 
So we're still drinking and um, he said something to me and we, and I get a little loud and he's like, yo, like relax. Like we're just, and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like fine. So we're sitting there, we're talking some more and there's some girls sitting at a table across from us and they're like giggling and laughing and having a good time and blah, blah, blah. So he starts starting with them. And I'm like, that's cool. Like whatever. Like I'm not, but what ends up happening is he starts to be become really disrespectful to me. Mm. So we're sitting there and somehow we got on the conversation of cars. I don't know why we were on the conversation of cars, but we're talking about cars now. And he's like, oh, what kind of car you drive? Now, this is where people would be like, oh, that's just toxic masculinity. And I'm just like, let me just tell you something. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't for me. Because he was like, well, what kind of car do you drive? And I was like, oh, I, I drive a Hyundai Accent. Like, you know, it's it's like, it's cute. It's cool. Like, I used to have a Chevy Impala. Like, but now I drive a Hyundai. As I'm telling him about my brand new car that I just got a year ago, he's pulling out his keys out of his pocket and sets them on the table. Ew. And I was like, oh, what kind of car do you drive? And he goes, a BMW. <laughs> my first reaction to that was, oh, I heard they're shit cars. Well, sir, 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 we're not going to do this because now not only have you offended me in my appearance, because you have an issue with the fact that I have short hair and you date women with long hair. Who said that we were dating? We are literally here for brunch. Like I just met you a week ago. Like what? Then you have an issue with the fact that I'm poly, not the fact that I'm poly per se, because let's, let's just be real. It can work in my favor. Because you also like women, but I also want you to get rid of this male partner that you have. Again, I've known you for a week. What? No. And now, now look, and then you call me the devil and now we're in this whole thing. Like, I just, mm. I can't. So at this point, like, I am, I am really like over it at this point. And I'm just like, I stayed, first of all, I stayed for way too long. That's the first thing. Second thing, I was drunk. So like, of course I stayed for way too long, right? Not trying to drink and drive, right? But by this point I had had it. And I was like, you know what? I am done. I am over it. So I was like, we're sitting there talking and he's paying for everything. And he puts the check, the guy comes by with the check puts it on the table. He puts his card on the table. So I make up the excuse. I had to actually pee, but I make up the excuse that I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I was like, and while I'm gone, I'm just going to go ahead and take this with me and take this to the waiter so that, you know, he knows that we're ready to go. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. So I get up. I forget my, I forget my food that I packed. I forget all that. I grab my purse. I grab the check with his card and I go ahead and say bye to the ladies that are across the way from us. And I walk into the restaurant and as I walk to the bathroom, I see our waiter and I said, oh, here's the check. We're done with this. And he goes, oh, okay, thanks. I go to the bathroom and as soon as I leave, I dash the fuck out. Like, <laughs> like we can bleep that out if you need to. But I, first thing I could do was just like beeline it to my car. Like, because I just could not understand how you could meet somebody. And for the first time, like for the second time, but actually in an atmosphere where you're trying to get to know them and then put all these demands on them, like, Oh, I'm going to be your one and only like, no, sir. That's literally not how any of this works. But also I want you to look this way for me, but no, I'm not also going to do that. Like, sir, please go sit down somewhere. And I think at that point, that's when I realized like, I, 
And that date, even though I didn't meet this guy on any like dating app or website, like I literally shut down all of my dating apps, like got off Facebook dating, got off Bumble, got off all of them. Because I was just like, if this is what I'm going to have to deal with from here on out when it comes to dating men and talking to them about me being poly, like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not because he wasn't the first person to do this. <laughs> like I had somebody tell me that I didn't know what I wanted. What? Yeah. I was confused. I was traumatized, which is why I'm poly. And I was like, you met me eight hours ago. <laughs> How can you even possibly know that? You don't. And it was just like one of those things where it was just like, yo, like, no. So yeah. And after that, I like, I think for like a year, I was off of the dating sites because I was just like, I can't with mm -hmm. people. And their like sense of entitlement and the ownership that they think that they have of your body before you even give it to them. Like I was just, I was flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted just hearing this story. Cause like, I, you know, I, it, it's just heterosexual men. Yes. <laughs> even though he is somewhat, you know, in touch with his feminine side because of his family, he still has that thing yes that entitlement that narcissism that mm -hmm. need to be in control of everything yeah. mm -hmm. and also if he does if he feels out of control that gets insecure and he starts negging you absolutely and i was just i was so just like and even it's so funny because even now like i think about the people that i talk to and date and i think like right now like in real life, I, I feel like heterosexual men right now for me are like literally on ice because sometimes they just don't, they don't, they don't, like they don't, they don't monitor like what they say. They don't monitor their sense of entitlement. Like, and I'm not saying that it's just them, like literally everybody freaking does this, but what I've come in contact with, and I don't know if it's because I could say that it's the area that I live in. But then I'll talk to somebody who's in Miami and they'll say the same thing. Yeah. And it's just about people. I think that one of the things that I think is that the pandemic really changed a lot of views for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to dating, because most people during the pandemic were by themselves. Yep. Now I'm an extrovert being by myself was pretty much like a death sentence. Like I felt yeah. like I was in prison, like <laughs> it was bad, but I learned a lot about myself during that time. Now people came out of the pandemic and out of quarantine and started peopling again. And it was almost like they all forgot how to people, like they forgot how to talk to people. Like I forgot once that I couldn't have a temper tantrum in public with other people. You because I look, like you crazy couldn't? Yeah, I, I look like a crazy person. Like I've been locked up in my house for the last six months. And finally I'm out of my cage. I'm doing the things. And something ticked me off. And I had a freaking temper tantrum and stormed out. <laughs> and somebody was like, I don't understand why you did that. And I'm like, you know what? That was not becoming of me. Like I shouldn't have done that. But then also I really did forget that I can't have a temper tantrum out in front of people. And it only took that one instance. But like, I think people just... They forgot how to talk to people. They forgot, you know, that we're all we're all humans and that we are looking for most likely the same things that they're looking for. 
But coming into a situation and trying to tell me how to change myself so that I am more attractive to you is absolutely wild. Like, go take several seats, please. Take several seats. <laughs> Like, sir, needless to say, I never talked to this guy again. I don't, I don't even think that I blocked him on IG, but he never contacted me again, which was definitely good. Yeah. And it was just, it was so crazy. But like, what it really reminded me of was the insecurities that I saw in my ex-husband. And I think for me, that was like the biggest red flag. Like, I just, I understand that people have insecurities. I have insecurities. But the difference is I don't allow my insecurities to navigate and control how I move in my life Mm -hmm. or how I set rules for other people because that's not fair. It's not fair. And it just, it was one of those things where I just realized like, wow, like I really, this particular trait in people, not just men, in people I don't like, I don't like somebody who will bring out their insecurities and try to put them on you so that you can change and be manipulated into what they want. I think that's absolutely ridiculous, but that's exactly what he tried to do. He tried to control who I was as an individual and didn't even take that into consideration. He was just like, oh, well, you have to be attractive to me. And I'm like, No, I don't. (laughs) Goodbye. I I am attractive to myself. So that's what's important. And if you don't like it, like there is the door. Like for what it's worth, I love the hair. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, like it's honestly like one of the I literally almost asked um, a partner and my ex-husband how I should do my hair before I cut it all off. I'd almost did that. And because I was in this transition, I was like. We're going to do what I want. And the last time I absolutely loved my hair was when I had it cut off in college. And I was like, I'm going back to that. And I haven't looked back since. Like, I absolutely love it. Waking up in the morning and just going. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely. just, I mean, I tell people all the time because some people are like, well, you look so nice with hair. And I'm like, I know. Sometimes I miss it. And then I think about how long it took me to do it. Like waking up at six o'clock in the morning. An hour of that would be gone because I'd be flat ironing my hair. Like, no, thank you. I'd rather, I'd rather be doing, I'd rather be eating breakfast. <laughs> like, no, we're not going to do that. Well, Tay, this has been awesome. Before I let you go, speaking of red flags, let's play a game of red flags. No oh boy. <laughs> let's do it. So I'm going to give you a situation. All you have to do is just tell me uh, if it's a red flag for you or not. Okay. Okay, cool. Oh boy. This is going to put me on the spot. Number one, I just use this for somebody, but I figured it might work for you too. So they have an exorbitant collection of expensive crystals, but no furniture. That's probably a red flag. (laughs) I got questions. Where's your chairs, sir? (laughs) I mean, are we doing Indian style at the coffee table or what? Like what's happening? They just don't believe in furniture. (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, that's also fine, but then I have concerns about what else they are like. I feel like that's kind of like an irresponsible thing with money, if that makes yeah. sense. I don't know. <laughs> Minimal design is right. scary to me. <laughs> I, I couldn't trust somebody who doesn't have any furniture. Like I walk into their place and they're like, yeah, I've been living here for three years and they don't have any furniture. But they have giant crystals all over them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's a red flag for me. Number two, they call you dude. 
Ooh. I'm going to say for me, it's not a red flag because I do the same thing. I'm like a dude broke kind of person. Like, yeah. I'm very down to earth. So like if they if we're having a conversation and they like call me, dude, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> like, no, because <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm a homosexual. I call everyone girl. So okay. <laughs> I, when I'm having a serious conversation, like I don't give a shit who I'm talking to. You're getting called girl at least once in this conversation. <laughs> That might look, and that might be a red flag for some people, but it's just, that's how I am. Cause I, I get a lot of like conservatives on my YouTube channel sometimes, like especially mm-hmm. certain videos and they love it. When I call them girl, they <laughs> love it. That is awesome. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm like, no, you're not girl. <laughs> uh, no girl. Not even. <laughs> they, number three, they insist they don't have hair plugs, but they obviously do. Oh, that's a red flag. I want you to lie to me. Like, yeah. I tell people all the time, like, I want you to be your best, most happy self. If you have to lie to me, that's not being true to yourself. And that's also not being true to me. I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. You can't <laughs> gaslight me. I see the plugs. So you're telling me that what I am seeing is not what I'm seeing? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. They're into licking your shoes. I'm like, is this going to be just audio? Because nobody could see that look of like, uh-huh. No, no, it's video too. It's going on YouTube. See, look, I guess in context, it would not be a red flag, but also I'd be a little concerned because who <laughs> else's shoes are you licking? That's... Only yours. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. That's just their that, thing. That's I just their like, thing. They're into like you. They just want to serve your shoes. <laughs> right. On it, depending on our dynamic, I mean, it's not, I'm going to say that's a, probably a yellow flag. Like that's like <laughs> almost there. Like there's got to be like one more. There, that's the hair plug thing where I'm like, nah, you can lick my shoes, but you lied about hair plugs. Like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Last but not least, they did porn, but only once. Is this like a major porn that I can find at like family video or is this like a home porn that I can find on Pornhub? I mean, well, you can't find home porn on Pornhub anymore. Just FYI. All the amateur stuff. All right. So, yeah, no studio. They just did it once. Never did it again. That's not a red flag. I mean, let's just be real. We've all done a little strange things for a little change. Like, and it doesn't even have to be sexual. It could just be just just strange okay porn is not that bad like i think that people have the stigma behind porn and you know what it is to certain people and things like that like i get it i do but for me personally like you did a porn that's awesome can we watch it do you <laughs> yeah like the copy together can i critique it can we critique it like because i'm sure like at this point was a few years back and like, they probably were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was standing like that. And like, things like that. So I feel like, actually, I feel like that would be completely fun. If you have done porn in your past, just let me know and we will sit and we will watch it and then we will make a better one. Green flags all around. <laughs> exactly. I did date a porn star at one point. How long? Oh. He, he was an asshole. He was a total oh. asshole. So I was like, no, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. It's so funny because I think when it comes down to a lot of things, I think a lot of people kind of, a lot of people look for like looks and like, you know, all of these things. When I talk to people, I look at personality. Like if you're a dick to me, like then I feel like you're probably a dick to everyone. And that's not, that's not okay. That's not attractive. So yeah, like just be a better human. I feel like people just need to just be better humans. 
I agree. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can my listeners find you? So you can find me on TikTok and on Instagram at trauma.release.guide. And you can also visit my website, www.desirablephoenix.com. On there, I have all of my workshops, my coaching programs, and my Reiki services. So if you're interested. There you go. And of course, I'll put all those links in the description. So check that out, you guys. Tay Youngblood, this has been amazing. Thank you so much again. Oh, Demi, thank you so much. This is actually really fun. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you to Lee for introducing us. Absolutely. Yes. No, he is amazing. Like, honestly, like... When I met him, I met him on TikTok. And you met him on TikTok. I did actually. He started to follow me. I follow everybody back because, you know, with TikTok, you can only talk to people and DM people if you're like friends, right? So I followed him back and he sent me a thing saying he wanted to make more genuine connections and let's do a call. And I was like, absolutely. I was in his summit in February. And like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just been, it's been really nice getting to know him. And it's Yeah, I just talked to him today, actually. I shot him a text message like, hey, how's it going? Because he's just, he's a cute, he's a cool human. Like, I can't wait for the day that we actually meet in person because I think that would be really cool. Very cool human. And I'm going to send him a thank you email as well, too. Absolutely. He'll get another text from me. Or I'll just go on his, I'll just go and like schedule a call with him so I can be like, yo, that was awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again. We'll see you around. Awesome. Thank you. A very special thank you to my guests for joining me in this week's episode. Check out the episode description for all of their information. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a comment and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll really help out the show. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel for video versions of this show and other content. You will find my blogs, The Deviant Diaries, and A Deviant's Guide to Sex, show notes, articles used, and Hookup Horror Stories official merch on my website at dimitriwild.com. You can also purchase both of my poetry books, Bitter Blue Pill, and Always Nothing in the Time of Champions from Amazon.com. Just search for Dimitri Wild. Oh, one last thing. Thank you for listening. Stay deviant. Remember, subscribing might not be worth it, but it's also not optional. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs>